Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And the fellas on the Milwaukee Bucks could have potentially cracked the Michelob Ultra in the fourth quarter of this one, Frank. They blow out the Hawks, 125 to 91. You only needed 29 minutes from Giannis. He finished with uh, 25 points, nine rebounds, six assists. And he had one of the most beautiful plays I have seen in his career early in the game on a spin move on Solomon Hill. And then he looked like he was going to throw down a dunk on Capella. But instead of throwing it down, he just shifted in midair. It was Michael Jordan-esque and just flipped it in for a beautiful layup, Frank. And there was only one, one song that has been on my mind ever since he made that move. Which, Frank, <laughs> I bring this up because we're going to get to the basketball in a second. But you just tweeted this. I'm a little bit pissed off. This should be a good day. The Bucks have just won a playoff game. You labeled me your fourth favorite Australian. <laughs> and now let me run through the list here. At number one, you had Hugh Jackman. At number two, you had Kylie Minogue, which is, you know, perfect timing I mean, this song. I mean, those two are unassailable. I don't know what you're complaining about. I mean, any Australian would be thrilled to be mentioned in the same breath as Hugh Jackman and, and Kylie Minogue. I mean, come on. Well, let's get to number three, where you've said any Wallaby. And people that listen to this podcast or follow me on Twitter know that I refer to Wallabies as uh, nuts, balls. When you oh, get the nuts. That, was, that wasn't what I was going for. Okay. They're cute animals. They're cute okay. animals. I thought about... I thought about putting the uh, that that jacked kangaroo, you know, that that famously <laughs> like comically uh, strong looking kangaroo, but mm. apparently he's he's kind of a jerk. I think he actually, uh, I think I was reading about him the other day actually, because I was like, is this is this is that just like did he have some weird, weird disease? But apparently, red kangaroos are mm. just very large, and some of the males get very aggressive and strong. Uh, but I feel like we're digressing really hard for like a podcast after a 34 point playoff win, but, but yeah, you can keep going. You were, you were number four and then former brewer, Dave Nielsen, shout out to nineties brewers was, was number five. Got, got the nod over Graham Lloyd and Trent Durrington, uh, mm. also former Australian brewers. But, um, you know, I, I just, I just came, you, you're, you're number one in my heart for, of, of all Aussies, obviously. And I, I fully appreciate if, you know, you were, you were having to do your top Americans. I mean, I'm not touching anywhere close to the top of that list. So it's fine. It's fine. What, what, let's not let's not spoil a great night. You're 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 rising. You know, you're well, rising. We went, if we win an NBA championship with the Bucks this year, you're, you you got a chance to to take down Hugh and and Kylie. Let's 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 focus on that. Well, we've done over 1,100 episodes now of Locked On Bucks. I've I, I'm nearing 
500 since I took over, which is kind of hard to believe. So if we say that we've done 400 of those, Frank, and it's supposed to be half an hour, they're never half an hour, but that's 200 hours that that we spent together talking basketball. So I'm just saying a bit of respect. But anyway, (laughs) we're not listening to Locked On Australia or Locked On the favorite Australians right now. We are listening to Locked On Bucks. And I I just mentioned this to you before we started recording. Completely stress-free, anxiety-free playoff games do not come around every single day. This was certainly one of them. And I think if you're a Bucks fan, certainly game one was a little bit frustrating when you saw the way that Trey Young was able to be comfortable out on the floor, get to his spots, and yes, make some tough shots in that. I think you have to be feeling good if you're a Bucks fan to see the adjustments that they did make, particularly defensively. We can go through them all, but Trey Young finishes the night with only 15 points, six for 16 from the field. He checked out early, but this is the first time in his playoff career, which has been this run that he's failed to score 20 points. And really from the outset, I just thought that the Bucks did a better job of certainly Drew Holiday at the point of the attack being more aggressive, being a little bit more physical, which he said he was going to do, but also closing the gap once he got downhill, not giving him a runway. We spoke about this and there's lots of complex things that happen with NBA defenses. It's never as simple as oh, well, they're playing drop. This is what they're doing. Oh, no, they're switching. These things are interchangeable. We saw the Bucks try a bunch of different things. You mentioned Brooke Lopez taking a few steps up to the level of the screener. I think he did that. The Bucks switched a lot as well. But overall, I just thought they took away the comfort level of Trey Young. That sparked the transition game with just endless turnovers, particularly in that second quarter. But overall, again, I think you have to be happy with the way the Bucks responded in game two defensively. Yeah, I, I think, you know, again, there's not like one simple thing you do to to no. shut down Trey, to Trey Young. You know, I mean, he, he, people have been trying to slow him down for his entire life and for all of his NBA career. And if it was easy, you know, then he wouldn't be on this this heater uh, in the playoffs, right? I mean, he's um, beaten a, a Knicks team that was a top five defense. He's beaten a Philly team that had the second best defense that had a lot of guys they could throw at him. Um, and now obviously he's facing another chance with Drew Holiday and obviously game one, he, he figured some shit out. <laughs> he did not have that much, that, that, that big of a problem, um, with the box. And I thought it was interesting. I was rewatching kind of the first quarter and on the first pick and roll, which actually was like two and a half minutes into the game, the first pick and roll that the Hawks ran at, uh, Brooke Lopez, he was actually very low. It looked kind mm-hmm. of like game one. He was, he was actually mm-hmm. hanging back in the paint. Um, and I was kind of thinking like, okay, well, I guess, you know, they're, they're going to have Brooks sort of hang back sort of like he did in, in game one. Um, and, but from there on out, it, it did feel like, I mean, for one, they, they were switching one through four. So if it was a ball screen, not involving Brook, you were getting a switch. Um, I thought, uh, you know, the, that, that is the advantage of, of continuing to start PJ Tucker. I think there's obviously arguments for not starting PJs such as, well, then you can more easily match him against like Gallinari, for instance, who ended up getting a lot of post-ups and had some success going at like Pat Connaughton and smaller guys on the block. But, um, you know, you don't really have any worries switching one through four with, with the Bucks starters right now with the way they're configured. And um, it's not just, you know, the man defense, though, because I think bringing Brooke up a little bit, Brooke kind of, you know, he <laughs> I was watching was one play where it's like, you know, Capella's rolling, Trey is drive, driving downhill, and he's kind of he's kind of like doing this little. I'm 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 taking my arms and kind of like putting them back and forth, like he's kind of like you know trying to make Trey have to think a little bit more than usual, and like he's not sure if if Brooke is trying to take away 
the lob by really trying to tag Capella or if he's trying to, you know, get in Trey's way. And, and you know, again, just um, I thought Brooke played it better. But I think Bucks also just, I mean, I think if you go back and look at some of those plays, like there's a lot of Bucks bodies around the paint. And I thought whether, you know, I th- in the part that I was rewatching, I noticed, you know, PJ, Giannis, um, they were coming from the nail harder. So like from a help perspective, you know, Drew or Trey is trying to go downhill and there's another defender aside from Drew and Brooke who's getting involved in the play and trying to throw him off a little bit, trying to get a hand in there and just, again, just show him more body, show him more traffic. And, um, you know, I, I think just, again, they, they just, just a better job of, of just making it more chaotic and taking away, um, you know, the easy decision, right. Taking away just that easy runway for him to just kind of go in and, and shoot an easy floater. And, you know, I think if I'm the Hawks, I'd probably look at some of that and say, okay, Bucks leaning in maybe a little more to the paint. Like, let's look and, and see who, who they're leaving open, right? Are they leaving that wing shooter open? You know, what can we do to, to maybe take advantage of it in different ways? But obviously tonight, you know, they just showed all the arms and limbs and, and, and all of it to Trey. And, you know, I thought the most impressive number as far as the defense tonight was the fact that Trey has nine turnovers in 28 minutes. I mean, again, this was. Clearly, this was not the good version of Trey Young that we saw tonight. But you knew he came into this game confident. And to, you know, turn it around on him and play the best defensive game that anybody's played on him in the playoffs and probably in quite a while, um, I think you have to give everybody on the I mean, you Certainly the Drew and, and Brooke most, you know, primarily because I thought Drew was getting over screens and, you know, he was disrupting. Like, you know, if, if he wasn't disrupting Trey, um, he was getting and, and helping kind of tag the romance so that Brooke could focus uh, on, on Trey a little bit more. And so just those two guys maybe kind of principally stand out, but, you know, give everybody credit, including Bud. Obviously, they, they learned some things from, from game one. And um, I think um, a couple couple plays that jump out, so that you mentioned that Giannis play, the, the midair adjustment, and which, which even seemed to impress Giannis as he was running down the court. <laughs> he was kind of marveling and mimicking kind of that that adjustment that he made with, with his swooping right hand. Um, before that, on the previous defensive possession, he got switched on to Trey off the ball. They tried to get Trey kind of coming from the corners off ball to like get, you know, handoffs, things like that a few times as well. But Trey was off ball. They tried to get Trey the ball like 30 feet from the basket. And Giannis was not face guarding him, but basically just played the angle, played the passing lane and just moved when Trey was kind of trying to bob back and forth. And Giannis denied the pass. And they end up, I forget who two ended up taking a shot. It might have been like, I think Collins might have gotten a shot on a switch or something like that eventually. But, you know, Atlanta basically missed, missed the shot. That eventually sets up Giannis to, to go down and, and score that swooping play. Um, but, you know, it started with, with Giannis, of all people, you know, doing his Drew Holiday impression, denying Trey Young from being able, to get, being able to get the ball in his hands. And I thought that was, you know, a play that, again, isn't going to show up in any, in any score sheet. Um, easy to kind of miss it, but, um, you know, I thought just showed how everybody, you know, kind of one through five was really locked in and maybe my other favorite defensive play tonight. Um, I think, was it, I think it was, was it the start of the third quarter or I don't know if it was the second quarter or the third quarter, um, where Trey ends up driving at Brooke on a pick and roll. He starts dribbling out and Brooke basically is, is the only guy there. So he continued to guard Trey all the way into the corner. And I think it turned into a shot. That was a shot clock violation, if I remember correctly. And, I thought that was just like, you know, again, not, not that you're going to say like, all right, let's just switch Brooke on to, on to train 
have him just guard Trey, you know, all over the court. But, um, you know, I think people under, underestimate Brooks' mobility at times just because he's seven feet tall and, you know, sometimes it seems like he's moving at glacial speeds. But, um, but defensively, again, like he's a guy who, I, you know, we've seen him on an island. Like he's not going to get embarrassed typically. And, and that, that example, Trey attacking, doesn't have an angle, just Brooke uses those big arms, gets in the way and then moves his feet really nicely and kind of put Trey on the retreat with the shot clock running down. And, um, you know, I guess just sort of the story of the night for Atlanta, they, they kind of just weren't able to get, you know, really those initial actions going and, and they weren't able to really dictate sort of the terms of engagement the way they were in game one. And um, obviously, you know, they, they really struggled tonight to, to score with consistency and again, didn't shoot the ball well at all, which, you know, Hey, for the bucks, um, they, they start what, 10 out of 18, I think. So they were red hot shooting early, cooled off pretty considerably as the game wore on. They finished 15 out of 41, but um, it's nice to see, you know, given how much the bucks have struggled from three, it was really nice to see the bucks hit a bunch of threes early. And to be honest, I mean, I thought you said like, you know, it kind of was, was drama free, stress free. It was still a little frustrating, right? Cause they're up 34, 28 after one. And it felt like they should have been up more cause they hit a bunch of threes and they were still only up a little bit, but, you know, thankfully they went on that run in the second quarter and really kind of put it out of reach, especially while Trey was, was sitting on the bench and, you know, kudos to, to Bobby Portis and, um, you know, some of the bench guys actually managed to, to do some damage. But again, I thought they'd also did a better job of making sure that they weren't necessarily going up against Atlanta's best units. It's betonline.ag time, Frank. Uh, this is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We know baseball season is in full swing. Certainly the NBA playoffs and NHL Stanley Cup as well. You can also check out UFC and MMA action over there as well. So before the next pitch, shot, hit, whatever it is, get on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams continue their runs through the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. The interesting thing about this playoff run so far for the Bucks has been that through the regular season, we've seen this team offensively can really get cooking, not only just with the outside shooting, but their ability to just put up huge point totals. And really, the whole playoff run so far has been fueled by the defense and I, I thought they got away from that a little bit in game one and and again I know it's not ideal that you drop game one but Trey is such a unique player that you know I mean you're going to need to have to figure out how you're going to try to slow down this guy now I don't think he's going to have another 15 point night for the rest of the series I feel pretty comfortable in predicting that but the Bucks got back to defense they got back to defense and I thought it was interesting that you mentioned Giannis out on the perimeter there because this was something that I mentioned after game one, particularly in the fourth quarter when the Bucks went to that small ball lineup. Trey actually looks really hesitant at attacking Giannis when he's the guy out on the perimeter. Now, we've spoke a lot before about Giannis defending guys on the perimeter and there's certain guys that have given him real trouble. Think back to Kevin Durant and what we've seen in the past there. But Young certainly does look hesitant and a lot of times in game one, he just jacked up that three. Tonight, as you pointed to, 
there wasn't a lot of success there. And we saw multiple times where, as you pointed to, the Bucks were switching one through four. Young would get Giannis, and he would immediately call for the screen from Capella so he could try and get Lopez up there. But this is why I think that it's really effective bringing Lopez just up a few steps. And that first drive that you spoke about, Trey Young looked really ominous. He hit three of his first four shots. For the rest of the night, he's three for 12. But that first floater, Lopez was, yeah, a couple of steps below the free throw line. But with Giannis and with Lopez, I'm not saying that Young is is scared of attacking or this is a, a hard and fast way that you can defend him and you'll stop him because he's so good that he's probably going to find a way. But he just looks a little more hesitant with the big guys around him and, and the trees. So when you get in those pick and roll situations, if you bring Brook Lopez up and then you have the aggressive uh, help defense there trying to slow down that that pocket pass that he throws to Capella or just put a little bit more confusion in his mind, he seemed more hesitant, which is just an interesting trend we've seen over the first two games. I thought another thing that was really fascinating was when Drew Holiday was shooting those threes, uh, so Trey Young was shooting those threes, Drew Holiday was off to the races. And we, yeah. we saw the Bucks get a number of easy baskets. And if you look at the box score, the numbers are incredible. Not only were the Bucks dominant in the paint again, 62 points to 30. So they're averaging 66 points in the paint through two games here, which is obviously a huge number. Second chance points, they led 24 to 11. Fast break points, 27 to 12. But they were off to the races. And this was clearly something that they had discussed and thought that they could take advantage of on Trey Young when he's going to launch these threes from well beyond the three-point line, you're going to have an opportunity for long rebounds. And if you leak out, you're going to get some easy points. And before you jump in and, and add any thoughts to that, I just want to dispute the box score here. I don't know if it's just me, but PJ Tucker, two offensive rebounds. It felt like this man had 10. He was in everything. He was in everything. I can't believe he's only been credited with two. Yeah, I, I mean... Uh... <laughs> It's funny to look at the box score. Giannis was plus 30, which was the worst plus minus among the starters. <laughs> um, you know, they they were just dominant, but they also got, you know, Bob, you look at the, the three main subs, Portis plus eight, Connaughton plus nine, Forbes plus 10. Um, and, and I think, you know, we saw at the end of the last game, right? Trey Young shoots threes. I mean, he looks almost like a little kid out there shooting those threes because you, you can tell, I mean, for anybody who's, I think many of you have probably shot an NBA range three pointer. For a normal human being, it's not easy to get the ball that far and and do it with accuracy, right? And now Trey Young is obviously an elite world class athlete, so not to compare him to us, but he's not a big guy, and you and you really t- you can tell like the way he has to like launch it. Um, you know, it's not surprising that he tends to be short a lot on those. Um, and we saw in game one those can turn into offensive rebounds. I mean, that was a frustrating part about game one is, you know, he was just settling for these long threes, missing pretty much everything in the fourth quarter other than that one and one on Drew. And they were getting offensive rebounds and putbacks. And that's all they needed to come back. And this game, very different story because uh, you could tell the Bucks were, A, you know, they were bigger, right? They didn't have to go small. Burke only plays 23 minutes, but it was because it was a blowout, not because they couldn't keep him on the court. Uh, and uh, as you said, I don't, I don't know. I mean, did uh, did Drew get like three touchdown catches like off, have, yeah. off plays like that? Like it, it felt like he got out on multiple occasions for for easy layups. And um, you know, again, you have to be careful doing that because those long rebounds um, can burn you. And we we saw it just last game. But um, but yeah, I, I think it, again, it was just a 
a game where kind of everything fell into place and, you know, the Bucks three point shooting was great. Um, you know, they were again, pretty, pretty good with the turnovers. I mean, you know, they ended up with 15, but a lot of those, I think were, you know, you look at a number of those came from the kind of fourth quarter bench guys, you know, like, uh, yeah. So, so again, not, not really that bad. And, uh, on the other side, Atlanta with, with 20 turnovers and the Bucks getting 25 points off those. So, um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, the, it's it, it just one of those games where kind of everything comes together and on the flip side, not a lot going right for, for Atlanta. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting. Bogdanovich um, did score eight points, hit two out of four threes, um, but only played 18 minutes and went to the bench two minutes into the game where, and Solomon Hill came in and it seemed like, uh, I, I don't know exactly what that, what it was. I think I, I assumed it was sort of this combination of, you know, they know that Bogdanovich is not hundred percent, and they were not looking good defensively. And so I think Nate McMillan was just like, all right, you know, I, I, I want to kind of settle the defense down, but certainly he didn't, did pick, didn't he really... did pick up two fouls, but, but you're oh, right. Okay. I mean, sorry. There you but go. he's, but he's not looking like he he's moving well at all. He's not. A, yeah. He's, he's not himself. I mean, again, him hitting even a couple threes is probably a, you know, a, maybe you take some kind of positive sign from it, but mm. um, certainly it's, I mean, obviously that's a big question for the series is, is that the kind of thing? I mean, is this just like he's he's got just this lingering thing that he's going to be limited for the rest of the series, or um, is this the kind of thing? I mean, is is it going to get any better? I mean, he's playing every other game right now, every other day right now. So um, obviously, it's it's hard to to kind of it's probably hard to expect him to to get a whole lot better. And who knows, right? I mean, if if he's going to need some kind of surgery after the season, I don't, I don't know that anybody really knows a lot about what that is. We just kind of hear it as knee soreness. So um, clearly that, that that's obviously limiting, you know, some of the, some of what Atlanta can do offensively and putting even more pressure on Trey and on a night like this, where obviously, you know, Trey was super limited. I mean, the nine turnovers, only three assists, right? I mean, even if he scores 30 points tonight, if you take away his ability to, to create plays for others, I mean, Capella one out of five, two points in 25 minutes, right? I mean, that, that speaks volumes, right? About, about what, sort of Trey Young normally is able to do in terms of getting um, other people involved and obviously just, just kind of nothing, nothing going in, in that regard tonight. Whereas for the Bucks, um, obviously you had Giannis going downhill that we, I think we saw the most spin moves that that had to be, I think we probably saw more successful spin moves tonight from Giannis than we had all playoffs in, in total. <laughs> it felt like he had like four of them tonight where he put somebody in a spin cycle and, and ended up scoring. And, um, you know, I think I think that just sort of speaks to Atlanta is really not shrinking the the floor on Giannis. They're really not crowding him enough to make him uncomfortable. And and we saw Brooklyn, you know, do a really nice job of the help defenders would would you know know when to to dig down and and try to get in there to to swipe at him when he kind of comes through with that spin move. Um, although I also noticed one occasion where he spun. I think I might have been on Gallo. And he he kept the ball much higher than he normally does, which obviously is is one way to a, sort of combat having especially smaller guys come in and try to slap at the ball when you bring it down to your to your waist or your knees. Is hey, you're seven feet tall, just stay high, you know, stay strong, and make it a lot harder for for those little guys to come up and slap the ball away. So um, yes, sadly, Giannis's streak of thirty and 10, 30 and ten games is snapped at whatever it was six games. Um, but you know, given the circumstances, the fact that he only needs to play 29 minutes tonight and he 
he puts up 25 on 18 shots, six, uh, nine rebounds, six assists, couple steals. Um, yeah, I think you'd say Giannis played just fine. It's built by time, Frank, and uh, I'm telling you, the movement is continuing. We are seeing some listeners that are, it's a good luck charm. They have the built by before the game, uh, the Bucks win. And uh, we continue on that way. And I do love some of the superstitions we see from our listeners, but this is just one of them. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. There's nine delicious flavors, Frank. I know you've got some. I know you love them. Whether it's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, or any of the other flavors, uh, they are just great. And they're healthy for you. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. Uh, You can't get much better than Built Bar. Our deal? Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. From a rotation perspective, it's obviously a little bit difficult to take a lot from this when you're winning by so much, but... It was a discussion point after game one, there's no doubt. And we've already touched on Brook Lopez. He only played 20 minutes in game one. I've got the box score up here from the first quarter through to the third because you can sort of see where the minutes were trending, albeit I still think Bud obviously had the opportunity to rest these guys a little bit more. There was some foul trouble for Chris Milton in there as well, but through three quarters, Brooke had played 23 minutes already. So he, he was on track to top 30 there, which obviously was a significant increase from game one, but I know uh, the fans at Fiserv Forum and certainly a lot of Bucks fans that um, that I follow on Twitter or I see on Twitter were all about Bobby Portis tonight. There was Bobby Chance in Fiserv Forum. Clearly, this guy from day one has been a fan favorite. It's easy to tell why because when you see him come in the game, the energy is infectious. I'll say this. There was still... Some pretty shaky stuff on the defensive end from Bobby, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Let's just say that because I I think that, you know, when it comes to Portis, he's such a fan favorite that he does all the energy plays and gets the crowd fired up and flexes that it's like, oh, my goodness, look at this impact that Bobby Portis is having in the game, and you kind of miss some of the other stuff. So I'll point that out first, but we've said it all season long. If Portis is going to play... It's not that you you want to just deal with those defensive problems and say, well, it's fine. But if he's having a huge impact on the offensive end, then he's still playable. And, and we saw him, you know, gather a couple of rebounds, hit a couple of shots, and, and be an impact player. Um, Steal an inbound. He got an inbound. Yeah. Delhi two play. that he scored on. Yeah, the Delhi play. Yeah. Delhi play, which came, which for those wondering, still keeping up track with Frank's favorite Australians, Delhi came in at number 27. I think the top 100 will be revealed <laughs> shortly. But yeah, but Porter. By the way, that is, that is still one of my favorite, like, all oh, time. Yeah. Especially oh. especially in terms of just, like, random plays, you know? Like, yeah. like, obviously it was in the playoffs, but also not a, like, game winner. That game was not close. But just, th- that is a great litmus test play because... If you're a real Bucks fan and someone says like, "What is you know?" Start naming some of the most memorable Bucks plays of the last you know five years or whatever. If they don't mention that, you gotta kind of wonder. Yeah, a little bit of bandwagon, yeah. a little bit of selective. You kind of weren't <laughs> paying attention until they won sixty games. You know, that was uh, remains just one of the most like randomly like just crazy energetic moments in in you know uh, in sort of the history of. Uh, of, of certainly at least in, in my Bucks playoff viewing, I'm, I'm, I won't speak for people that got to see them in the '80s and '70s, but but yeah, shout out to Delhi, shout out to you know anybody who's Australian, shout out to Thon Maker, shout out to all mm. the Australians. Um, 
Andrew Bogut, you know, Andrew Bogut blocked me on Twitter. That's why I couldn't mm. put Bogey on my top five. I mean, sorry, you blocked me on Twitter. What am I supposed to do? Right. Yeah. Top five favorite Australians. Come on, man. You can't, I can't put Bogut on there for that. But anyway, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> there, there was a, there, there was definitely, um, uh, a lot of Bobby Portis love in the air tonight. And it, it's kind of one of these funny like questions, right? It's like, I mean, I think first and foremost, we didn't see Jeff Teague until garbage time. And I would, <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to, I was in another, not, not the one with, with Eric and, and you and, and Mitchell and, and Dean, but um, it was in another one. And um, you know, there was some discussion around how Bud was sort of like, you know, defending playing Teague in, in game one. And um, you know, the comment was just made about like, Oh God, you know, like and what, what is he doing? And I was just kind of like, look, we can't take like, coaches and gms like so literally all the time oh my goodness like, yeah i mean it, I, that, you know that like I, or nothing i mean and 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 look i realized he also said oh he thinks that, that he can have a role this series so look I, I get it that that comment in particular like you know uh, i mean a coach is never gonna say like yeah i fucked up that guy sucked <laughs> shouldn't have played him right <laughs> like what why would he ever say that right um I, I think I, I was totally expecting, you know, we talked about, we were totally expecting Bobby Brin and Pat Connaughton to play in game one. I was not expecting Teague to play. And the, the, the big flagrant, you know, error was not just playing Teague, but the fact that he kept him on tray when Drew came back in the game, you know, right away. That, that was like the mind boggling thing that no one could figure out. Um, but, you know, there's a long history of Bud saying stuff that makes you say like, Oh shit, he's not making any changes. None of that Celtic series where they get blown out. Right. Didn't he, everybody, I think probably a lot of people remember, like he basically sort of said afterwards, like, you know, we're going to play our game, blah, blah, blah. Like not hinting that they're going to change what they're going to do. And then they changed what they were, what they did. You know, I mean, look, he, the, the coaches, they're not going to telegraph to you what they're going to do. They're not going to admit that some guy sucked and they can't play them. Like, you know, just, I get it. But is, a questionable decision maker, but I was kind of like, yeah, I don't think we're going to see Jeff Teague in meaningful minutes in game two. And I wouldn't get stressed about, you know, the comment implying that he's not throwing Jeff Teague under the bus. That's just kind of the way coaches are. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think seeing those, the three guys that were mentioned play and, and contribute. And again, the bucks, you know, outscore Atlanta while those guys were on the court. Um, you know, this is always the trade-off in the playoffs. In the regular season, you you have to have guys from your bench contribute. You have to be able to steal minutes because you just can't play, you know, Giannis 39 minutes every night, right? You just don't want to do that. In the playoffs, I think it's an interesting question. Tonight, obviously, they didn't have to play those guys, you know, anything close to, to major minutes. But, you know, this is sort of the question that that every coach has to deal with is, okay, if you can steal minutes and, you know, get – Bobby Portis and, and Forbes in there in particular. And if they can go out there and, you know, they are not negatives, right? You, you stay even basically while those guys are on the court. To me, it's like, okay, like if you can do that, like I, I get why you may want why you try to play both those guys, steal time and be able to rest, you know, your key guy, especially in like the second quarter, you know, end of first beginning of second quarter where, you know, you're not in crunch time. I'm not saying those guys should play in like fourth quarters, um, but I see the argument for trying to see if you if you can get away with it, try to steal some time with those guys. You have to be careful. I think one of the problems is Bobby and Bryn together, and I think we saw it again tonight, mm -hmm. which again it didn't work out in negatively. 
But um, the thing that I always worry about is, you know, not just playing them, but playing them together when they're probably your, you know, your two weakest rotation defenders, right? Um, putting them out there together can just be problematic. Um, and so that's certainly like from a criticism of Bud standpoint, I think is very valid. Now, again, it's kind of hard because rotation wise, like how do you kind of split them up? Like that's not always easy. Um, but in the playoffs, again, like you don't have to play a deep bench. So you, you know, you, you, you can feel free to stretch those, those main guys longer minutes. And I think I was looking at, I think Giannis played 20 minutes in the first half. I think, I think Drew played over 20 minutes. I don't know. I, Chris did not cause he had some foul trouble, but um, you know, if you're worried that those guys aren't playing enough, you know, they, they were playing major minutes and, you know, Giannis still got to 29, even not even getting through uh, the third quarter tonight. So, um, so yeah, it, it's sort of these things. Like, I think you got to be a little cognizant, especially playing every other day. You don't want to like just kill Giannis if you don't have to. But again, where's that line, right? If you can get those, those bench guys, like 10, 12 minutes of, you know, call it even burn. Um, you could say that that's good. Great. You rest kind of your, some of your main rotation guys a little bit, but the flip side, you can argue, well, screw it. If you had your, all your starters in for, for half of that time, then you'd be building a lead, right? That That's sort of the debate. And that's the kind of line that, you know, when you're a coach, you have to sort of walk. And again, I think in a normal game where it's competitive down to the end, I think if Giannis isn't playing 40 plus minutes, 42 minutes, um, Drew, Chris, those guys, especially Drew, right? Because he's the only guy that can really defend Trey one-on-one or at least as a primary matchup. Um, I think you can complain if those guys are not playing 40 plus minutes every night. Um, but certainly if you can get some some uh, minutes from those bench guys and, you know, we saw tonight, did they play great defense? Nope. But did they play, you know, good enough offensively that they were able to even it out? Yeah. You know, they were able to do that. And um, obviously I think it, it gets the crowd fired up too at home, which is a nice little bonus. So uh, we'll be interesting to see kind of how, how that plays out of the rest of the series, but clearly Bud wants to be able to get those guys minutes. And again, I think it's just a matter of trying to, to do it judiciously and, and not do it in ways that, you know, you see both of them out there in a crucial period where Trey's can attack them and, and really kind of put them, um, put them under pressure. Thankfully tonight, that, that wasn't really an issue, but certainly it could be moving forward. Well, we're going to tip our hat to our friend, Peter Bukowski, who's the host of the Locked On Today podcast. You can check it out every single day. It's uh, under 20 minutes and you'll get all the news uh, you need from every major sport with the help of the local experts across the network. So follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, last point from me tonight, Frank Giannis at the free throw line. He was three for four. And this has clearly been a storyline right throughout the playoffs. But the Atlanta Hawks join the Miami Heat and the Brooklyn Nets in having a little teary, having a little cry about Giannis at the free throw line taking more than 10 seconds. Uh, it's become pretty ridiculous. And I understand it's a playoff series. They're going to try any mind games they can. They're going to try and get an advantage any way they can. The interesting thing was that in the last or in the final two-minute report that came out after game one, Giannis being at the free throw line for longer than 10 seconds was actually noted down as missed goals. Now, again, we've discussed this. He's been doing it all year. I don't think that Giannis or the Bucks think there's any chance that the officials are going to start calling this with regularity. I will say it did look like Giannis sped it up a little bit tonight. I, I, I never have the shot clock out or the stopwatch out. I don't really care that much about it. But it looked like maybe he shot it a little bit faster. But this storyline has just become 
hilarious through the postseason for mine that that every opponent that the Bucks play ultimately start to honestly visibly get very bothered by this during uh, games in the postseason. It's funny. I saw I tweeted a quote from Bud where Bud said, "Listen, he's aware of it. This has been the thing for a long time. He's in a good place with his free throws." Basically saying, "Yeah, we, we know." And we don't really care. I mean, it's <laughs> it's been called twice all season or twice in the postseason. The officials have been very clear that they're not going to all of a sudden start calling it. And uh, and I, I don't know. It just seems like such a, a worthless argument to be having right now. But here we are. The Hawks, as I said, join the Heat in the Nets. Yeah, well, I'm a little more worried about it maybe, <laughs> maybe than you. Um, I mean, you can't see there's any way all of a sudden they're going to be like, yep, yep, yep. I mean, there's no – how could well, you do that? <laughs> Well, they, I mean, I think the question is just like, are, are they? If if I'm a referee, um, and if I if I decide like, look, it's getting ridiculous, then I I just think you know, call it early in the game, right? Um, like not like the that heat game where they call it like late in the fourth quarter, and it's just like you know the refs trying to draw attention to themselves. Um, and you know, I I tweeted about it. Uh, there a number of folks sort of screenshotted it. I noticed. It happened um, on Trey Young's first free throw uh, with 17 seconds left. I mean, if you really want to take that, this is the thing that annoyed me about the the last two minute report um, the NBA put out. If you're going to call that, then you got to call you you got the last two minute report should call that Trey Young had a lane violation on his first free throw, 17 seconds left. He broke the plane of the free throw line by stepping over it before his shot hit the rim. That is a clear violation of the rule. So NBA, where is it? You know, there was a screenshot I tweeted out that someone put of Giannis's free throw, where literally like three Hawks and one Buck are in the are in the 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 uh, the lane before the, he he releases the ball. That's a lane violation. All right, NBA official, uh, last two minute report. You gonna call this shit, or are you gonna just like randomly pick this because like it's a talking point? You know. Um, so, you know. Uh, a uh, uh, friend of the pods, uh, my friend CJ was uh, kind of tweeted at me, you know, that he's a lawyer and he was saying that, you know, he kind of is amused when people, when, when in, 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 you know, the legal field, like a lawyer tries to sort of play these little like petty points and, you know, it's like, all right, you want to do that? Like people can, you know, I, I tweeted out the, uh, the gif, you know, the, uh, the Captain America thing when he's like fighting, he's like, I can do this all day. It's like that's what I feel like. If you guys want to start saying that we're gonna and we should we gotta enforce all the free throw rules, all right, let's enforce all the free throw rules. Let's call back some of Trey Young's free throws where he's you know stepping over the lane before his ball hits the rim. Let's start calling every fucking lane violation that happens on every goddamn second free throw because it happens literally every free throw. And let's start redoing free throws when guys miss because the opponent is stepping into the lane too early. So, um, you look. I, I mean, I, I think Giannis is again. It's he's putting himself at risk. He's putting his team at risk by continuing to perpetually take long to do this. Look, I'm glad they're not calling it. I think it's kind of stupid to make a big deal out of it because it's not like he's like, you know, shooting from 13 feet away or something, or something like that, right? It, you know, it, 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 we're not talking about something where it's like, you know, he's literally like cheating the other team. It's like he's just taking a little bit longer to do that. It's not like you know, he gets seven seconds to inbound the ball or something like that. Like it's a free throw, right? Um, I think his routine should be quicker. I hope that maybe this summer you would entertain changing it. We'll see if, you know, if he, if he gets whistled anymore for it during the playoffs. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, here's the interesting thing. Even if you say, well, he misses a lot of free throws anyway, so if he gets whistled for it, no big deal. Um, 
I don't know what the Bucks' rebound rate is on missed Giannis free throws. They got another four-point mm-hmm. possession tonight where on the one free throw he missed, they rebounded it and they got a three out of it. They had a possession in the fourth quarter in Brooklyn where he got, a, I think it was on a three-point play opportunity. I think it was, one, you know, he had an and one in the fourth quarter. They ended up getting a rebound off his miss. They kick it out to Drew. He had a, uh, he hit a three. So they scored eight points in two possessions because I think Drew hit a three or Middleton hit a three prior to that as well. So, you know, ironically, like because the Bucks are so aware of Giannis missing free throws, they seem to be perpetually ready for Giannis to miss free throws and they seem to get a disproportionate number of, of second chances off it. So you really don't want him getting whistled for those, especially on second attempts, because even if he misses, the Bucks seem to often get, get second chances. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of torn. I'm like, again, I think it's stupid if, if this is like suddenly one of these random things that they're going to start calling. Um, but uh, it does make me a bit nervous and I think it'll be interesting to see in Atlanta. I'm, I have to think that the Atlanta crowd is going to do the count thing, just like we saw in Brooklyn. And, you know, again, we'll see there, there was a moment on his first trip to the free throw line today where Scott Foster was um, at the, at the baseline, you know, he was the guy handing the ball over. And while Giannis was dribbling, um, Foster put his, put his whistle in his mouth. And I was like, Oh shit, he's going to whistle for 10 second violation. But he was just putting his whistle in his mouth. Cause you know, refs like to have whistles in their mouths. Um, so he didn't call anything. So, but this is sort of where we are, right? That Giannis is taking so long and he's getting randomly called for this. And so now I'm like perpetually like wondering if, if he might get, get, get called for it. So I don't know. I, I, it, it is a stupid debate. It, it's, uh, you know, one of these things where there's all these other similar types of things you could try to enforce if you're going to start, you know, randomly enforcing this rule. Um, I'd rather they just, you know, I'd rather Giannis speed things up maybe in the off season and come back a little more rapid uh, next fall. But um, I think certainly from what we know of Giannis, uh, he's going to do what he's going to do. And if he's a little quicker, maybe, but um, he's certainly not going to change his, his fundamental routine at this point. And look, the good news, three out of four of the night, six out of eight in game one, 75% in the first two games. If he's anywhere close to that, the rest of the playoffs, I think you're going to be pretty thrilled. Yep, no doubt about it. And as you said, games are on every other day here in this series. So just the one day off and then game three will be in Atlanta. I don't think that there was any real panic after game one, but nonetheless, you do put yourself under pressure in game two when you've got home court advantage. If you drop the first one, the Bucks took care of business here in game two and the series is tied. So they're back on track. And I think Bucks fans will be feeling a lot better about the series moving forward as it does go to Atlanta for game three. As I wrap this up, just one final point. Uh, I know there's a section of the NBA universe that's going through a tough time at the moment. So I just want to send my condolences to Dallas Mavericks fans uh, with the news that Jason Kidd is going to be the head coach. So Nick Angstead and the crew over at Locked On Mavericks, <laughs> we're thinking of you fellas and uh, we, we hope uh, nothing but the best for you moving forward. That's a, that's a very tough hire, very tough hire indeed. And uh, we've been there. So shout out to Locked On Mavericks. Frank, shout out to you. I'm going to say we'll catch up again in two days' time after Game 3. Hopefully the Bucks take a 2-1 lead. So for Frank and myself, we'll catch you guys then.